Hello, and welcome to Girls Gone Canon, Reads A Song of Ice and Fire, episode 154, Sam 4 in a Storm of Swords. I'm one of your hosts, Chloe. And I am another one of your hosts, Eliana. Welcome. We don't have a thruple thing going on this week. It is just us. We have stopped. Stopped with that. You're stuck with us this week for Sam 4 as we get back to the wall, back to basics, back to black. Indeed, indeed. We are back to, you know, a place where we can, our celibacy can be oh my God. <laughs> documented. <laughs> Nurtured, yeah. embraced even. Yeah. No, but- not embraced. Shit, shit. The opposite of embraced. But speaking of, you know, the Night's Watch, we do have some news for our next episode, Sam 5. Yeah, Sam 5, it is going to be coming out for the public, for the public on the 4th, right? The 4th of March. Yes. And we have a very special guest coming on for that. Maybe not from the Night's Watch necessarily, but our friend from the Hype's Watch, James. Yes. James, our friend from the YouTube channel, The Hype's Watch, will be joining us for Sam 5. James has had some great thoughts about Sam, and I'm excited to have him on. I haven't spoken to James in a while also, so James and I used to play <laughs> D&D for like two sessions together before I quit. I was like, it's too long on the computer. And we can talk about that more when James comes on. I was just like, I want to hang out with people because this is the before times. so thank you so much james Uh, for overlooking my flippant nature and coming on you know not many can not many can but but you can ones that do yeah oh i can do something eliana i can do something i can't even say that they're rewarded i was like the ones that do god bless them (laughs) (laughs) oh fuck well yeah I, I'm excited to have a friend over back to the, the thruple life. We've got actually a, a handful of guests still for Sam. So get speculating, get jotting it down. You're going to see some people soon. Next week, of course, we will be off of a swath just for the week. We'll be putting out our His Dark Materials, the Amber Spyglass episode. Getting very far along there. If you're into Philip Pullman at all, check it out. If not, if you want something to read, it's a good read. The main trilogy and there is an outer trilogy as well uh two out of three are done waiting on that last book don't you know it don't you know it yeah it sounds like promising progress is being made on it so i'm not worried there was actually like a part of a chapter that came out for the third book of dust from philip pullman yeah and it wasn't i don't think it was supposed to it was like released oh. from a college <laughs> like he spoke at a college or something or some sort of signing or something and the snippet got published and i didn't it wasn't advertised anywhere and it literally had all these asterisks and like bright lines that were like do not distribute do not distribute and i'm like oh i don't feel like i'm supposed to be reading this i'm also like it's gonna get i've been in a book fandom long enough to know that that was gonna leak but oh yeah yeah come on now (laughs) come on really eliana are you talking about balticon world con any con any con (laughs) yeah all of them but Uh. yeah anyway so clearly progress is being made on that so that's exciting and also speaking of other book series this month we do have a special patreon episode yes we are going to be covering cersei from mythology not a song of ice and fire uh, the Madeline Miller 
novel, actually. It's a great retelling of the myth of Circe. I really just forced Eliana to do some extracurricular reading. This bitch reads all the time, though. Like, I don't, I don't know. This, this girl's always telling me about these books she's read. She's like, I just finished this book the other day. I'm like, where are you getting this, this time from Eliana? You're amazing. Astonishing. But we're going to read Circe. It's a great retelling of this myth. Patrons in the stranger tier, five bucks and up USD at patreon.com slash girls gone canon have access to a bonus episode every month from us. What is in the bonus episode? It could be a song of ice and fire. We've been covering the free cities lately, or it could be a his dark materials related kind of special episode or like this month, something miscellaneous, a book that we're reading something we're into lately. So pick up the book. I will say, I think people can expect more miscellaneous episodes from us moving forward, probably. Yes, absolutely. Uh, not not like solely, like not like percentage-wise, no. but it's going to be in the mix. Yeah, you know, I love A Song of Ice and Fire. I love his dark materials, but I've loved them for a very long time, and there is a lot of room in my heart for them to live there rent-free. Mm -hmm. And for them to live in my heart rent free, mm -hmm. I've made a little space for other things. Yeah. Other things. We've been dear doing, readers, dear listeners. We've been doing this what nearly four years now. You said right. So I think Shit. <laughs> it's okay oh. for us to to graduate onto other stories more every now and then. Yeah. So. And we were pretty much conceived about four years ago. Right now, that's wild. around this time. That's crazy. We were recording "Drunk a Song of Ice and Fire" history. We were drinking while doing so because it's in the name. <laughs> we actually were. We were conceiving this. We were conceiving this podcast, like, literally, like, this week. Yeah. Four so years ago. that's an Aquarius. <laughs> oh, Wait, my no, God. No, no, it's not. It's no, not. No, because, no, no, no. That's only conception. It's not May. Birth. What's May? What's May? May is I thought, cancer? I no. thought we were April. We don't even know our birthday. Fuck. Maybe... We're terrible parents. Mm. Mm -hmm. Reach out and let us know what you think our podcast, not us, but our podcast, which has been personified into a child, what its rising, its sun, and its moon <laughs> is. Because I have, yeah. I have some questions. This I have is, some questions. This is like our second or third iteration of this challenge. For the last time was which? What is your rising Aswath character? Your Aswath. So yeah. <laughs> Uh, Has yours changed, do you think? Is yours still... What, what was yours? I don't even remember what my original was, so... <laughs> Shit. I think mine is like a Asha, Sun, Bran, Moon, Sansa, Rising? Something like that? I don't remember something what like my original was. Um, I'd have to no. think. But, anyway. So we are doing Cersei, C-I-R-C-E, this month. And, of course, some other things that we are doing this month is our monthly brunch slash happy hour on discord that is happening uh if you are listening to this uh on the release dates whether you know of this week it will be this sunday february 20th 2022 and it's gonna be a little bit of a you know it's valentine's week yes happy valentine's to you yours yourself whatever and i ate chocolate i ate food i ate wine you know i'm happy it was mm -hmm. valentine'sy but we're gonna do it kind of you know valentine's theme bring your valentine one slide we're gonna do a powerpoint potluck but it's a one slider make a valentine yeah to your ultimate valentine it doesn't have it can be like it can you be know, real it can be a real valentine but it could be like 
you know, a pet. It could be like, I don't know, like Matthew Broderick. It could be like... It could be food. It could be Jon Snow. Oh, yeah. That, I was going to say it could be, you know, garlic sausage. Mm, yeah, that's mine. That, that's that might be Sam's. It's kept him alive yeah. thus far. Thunder tier patrons and above have access to our Discord where we have events like that, right? Uh, weekly, we are doing a His Dark Materials rewatch and discussion of the BBC HBO adaptation. Our patron Pete is hosting that on Saturdays. And our brunch is once a month for brunch, once a month for brunch and happy hour. And Thunder tier patrons and above, we just hop in, we hang out in the Discord, we, we get in the voice chat and pull some shenanigans. It's a good time. 1 yeah. to 3 p.m. on Sunday. Come on by. And free for folks. Uh, speaking of other series that we are doing, Chloe has been joining our friends Ara and Gray over on either Ara and Gray's channels, depending on the week, to discuss Euphoria, as you all know, the hot thing going around. The hot thing. Yes, I am living my best young Gen Z <laughs> lifestyle right now. Oh my god. Every week I have been, I have I've spent money on like glitter this month did you i didn't know you for bought this. it ex- for this i thought you already had oh, that yeah. glitter huh interesting. no i didn't own that glitter if, if you haven't I watched you euphoria some it's intense i sent you some glitter it's in- that's true you did send me some glitter i actually have been using my sailor moon makeup set thank <laughs> you very much uh yeah euphoria is fun it's an intense show it's kind of uh it it's like degrassi you know like true. really took some molly it, it, but it's fun. It's fun. Uh, and it has some really good stuff on addiction and on self-love and being a teenager and whatever. And so it's just been really fun to be over at the channel with this gray area. We love gray. And Ara, I eat zebra Ara, will throw the links in the details. Monday night, we are live at, you know, 9 p.m., 9.15 p.m. on one of their channels. So subscribe to them, and maybe you'll get a notification. But season's yeah. almost over. And That's then I'll true. be back to you only, my love. Back to you, Eliana. I, mean, I can share. Whatever. Yeah. You're you're a switch. You're a sharer. There's a lot you're doing today. Oh, there's a lot. There's so much. Well, things that I'm not doing today. Emails and tweets and notes. Sorry. Still behind. So, anyway. Let's just, you know, jump into our lightning round. Yes, this is an altered lightning round. There are POVs removed from it. We're just going to make it work, right? Because there's so many goddamn chapters between Sam 3 and Sam 4. My fuck, there's a lot of book in there. Holy Mm -hmm. damn. There is. And to kick us off, we have Arya 9. Arya confronts Sandor, who in turn kidnaps her as bait to get some sort of recompense on his lost money. John 6. John evacuates Molestown and hears of Jayor's fate. Grunt tells him he saw a gray wolf beyond Castle Black. Hmm. Who could Ar- it be? <laughs> Who could it be? Arya 10 and Arya 11. Sandor and Arya try to enter the twins, but something feels off. Later, Sandor sniffs out the lie and gets them out of there just in time. I'm sorry if all these Sandra chapters and to read aloud, and you don't, Chloe. <laughs> Did okay. I mess up your order? I, I your like to see order? you enjoy him too, you know? I, I like to see you enjoy Sandor as well. <laughs> Casual Sandor enjoyer. Oh my god. Uh, Eliana. Davos 5. Salador San brings word of the Red Wedding to court. 
Melisandre hopes to sacrifice Edric Storm to no. Davos's dismay. <laughs> Davos's reading lessons pay off, and he finds a rather chilling message from the North. Hmm. John Seven. Here's here's the notes. The stage notes. Say something. Bye. A great big world plays as John cradles Egret's lifeless body amidst flying arrows and weaponry. <laughs> Branford. Sam and Gilly help a raggedy group of plucky northerners through the Black Gate. Recognizing their protagonist, Sam swears to keep Bran's whereabouts a secret, even from John. <gasps> The gang frees Edric Storm. Davos almost dies, except he gives Stannis another chance to be a hero. John 8. After recovering their dead from the tunnels in the yard, John accidentally gets himself a promotion. Arya 12. Sandor tries to figure out where to ransom Arya, finally deciding on River Run. John 9 and John 10. Some of the brothers of the Watch don't necessarily agree with John's new promotion. He gets imprisoned in the ice cells, and he is freed only for a dangerous mission, going to talk to Mance Raider. His meeting is interrupted, however, with steel-gloved men bearing down on them, shouting, Stannis! 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 I'm like, where's Matt from Davos Fingers? <laughs> Arya 13. The inn at the crossroads rings Arya and Sandor, face to face with some of Gregor's men at arms. Arya delivers some poetic justice, retrieving Needle, but the damage Sandor takes is too much, and he begs her to do the whole entire, like, murder thing, and she's like, no Sephardago, and then she boards a ship to Bravos, and see you then, Arya. I just got somehow, like, almost all Arya chapters this, this lightning round. <laughs> I don't know. Every time. It depends on who chooses to go first. It's like a, a game of Chloe roulette. You might get some serious stuff. You might get some jokes. I don't know. And, and it, this might turn around. You know, I'm hearing Eliana wants to write a lightning round. Yeah. Guys. For, again, we'll switches. <laughs> oh my fucking god. This all takes us to Sam for In a Storm of Swords, a sauce. Sam is back at the wall, but things have drastically changed. New faces, new kings, new politics. That's right, baby. It's democracy in action? Is it? <laughs> oh, oh, definitely not next chapter, but we'll find out more. Actually, it definitely is next chapter. It's the most I've ever seen like a democracy. The lying, the Whoa. cheating. Whoa. Uh, Whoa. It's literally just like the last season of Veep. So, actually, Gilly and <laughs> Sam... It, it, it does remind me of the convention, uh, like the lying, the cheating, God. the going back and forth, the the selling favors. It, it's great. It's I great. Very Veep. political. I love you. I do too. Gilly and Sam traveled from Nightfort to Deep Lake and Deep Lake to Queensgate, and finally they're found by Dennis Malister on the road, Bowen Marsh and other Bridge of Skulls survivors. When Sam sees his friends, he breaks down and cries. Stannis had landed at Eastwatch, and Cotter Pike led them to capture the free folk unaware. Mance had been taken, and his camp as well. Had they not gotten lost, they probably would have walked straight into battle. Mm -mm. <laughs> Gilly had been nursing Mance and Dalla's son ever since, alongside her own. The boy, nameless like hers, had a very fierce hunger for the titty. Mm, good for him. Um, 
There's this moment where Sam notices John watching like this whole display with a sad smile. And Sam notes that it's like John hasn't smiled at all since Sam returned. So I don't know. I just wanted to call that out. I, I just it's such beautiful love and compassion on Sam's part to note that that behavior in his friend and to like be thankful for this one moment, but also to like kind of be sad for his friend. Yeah. And there's actually a lot of really sweet Sam and John yeah. relationship stuff in this chapter that I really didn't remember prior to. But I took that sad smile a different way when I read this because to me, I took it as John sadly smiling and watching like Gilly feeding the babies and Dallas on, right? And thinking like, wow, that kid's going to grow up without a mom, just like I did. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I wasn't sure what it meant. And I only say that because I think there's a lot about John's, like, childhood in this chapter that previously I didn't really realize. So that's all. But it could be both. I think it's probably, like, a lot of things. I think there's a lot of things for John to sad smile about. It's it's sad. Like, these boys have been through it. Mm -hmm. For sure. And even though, you know, John's been through it, and Sam clearly has been through it. Nothing prepared him for what was at Castle Black. Like, the common hall has been burnt down. The wooden stairs are now just, like, scorched timber and, like, broken ice. Also, Donald Noy, Rass, Steph Dick, Red Allen, and many more are now dead. But somehow the castle is more crowded than ever with Stannis's men. The King's Tower was occupied for the first time in living memory, and banners are flying from the Lance, Hardin's Tower, Grey Keep, Shield Hall, and more, and Sam gave Gilly the rundown on each banner, explaining Stannis's bannermen, but he draws a blank for obvious reasons at the fiery heart sigil that many of the men sported, and I just really like the way that George put together like this one paragraph slash two paragraphs of you know juxtaposing these concepts of the destroyed watch and the glory of stannis's troops and i also like this line where gilly says the banners are as bright as flowers and we've seen i think george use a similar idea a couple of times right we i think called this out again in that first thing we did together of uh the hedge knight i believe the the attorneys uh, tents are described as like being like bright flowers but there is you know there's just something there to sam leaving his home like his real home for now you know the watch and for the first time returning traumatized after the whites and the others and then finding so many of those loved ones gone and the building where the memories that he's formed now just destroyed and still somehow teeming with this like new life from the king's occupation and and i think this is a sort of mood that George ends up hitting a few times again in Fire and Blood. Yeah, that's a great point. A lot of the rebuilding after all of that war and a lot of, like, just the terror that was stricken through the land from the dragons dancing for so long, Mm. right? And, like, Mm -hmm. uh, utter devastation, right, to the economy and to the people. And and that's something that the North is really about to be dealing with for a, a lot of it on top of everything. And it's very obvious of all the brothers that are gone because the chapter feels actually a lot emptier as Mm -hmm. far as night's watchmen go it's full here of like all of these people with stannis's crew but the night's watchmen it feels very scarce yeah raggedy i don't know if this is like maybe you can tell me more like is it a similar tone to like that ending scene in lord of the rings you know i don't know yeah 
Um, Scouting of the Shire stuff. I think this is, I mean, that's pretty much what, that's a lot of their relationship and a lot of the the Castle Black stuff and a lot of, like, I think the major themes feel like that, right? Mm. And I'm more than sure the actual battle will be in the final books in the North will be, like, very much so like the Scouring. But I do think this is very terribly hard because they're all coming to terms with, like, wow, we had to be in fucking emergency mode for the last three weeks for our lives from the ice zombies, and now how do we even process that? Yeah. How do we process that loss of our sworn brothers? They're just gone. Yeah. Some of them, they lost their brothers to the ice zombies and then come back and lose them to the free folk, right? So it's been wham-bam for some of them. Not for Sam in a way. And obviously not for mm-hmm. John. He's he's dealt with they've dealt with different things, but I wonder which king in living memory they're talking about. If it's the first time since a king had been there in living memory, it's probably what Allie and Jake. The <laughs> yeah, the cats. Um, the cats. But Egg, right? Yeah, wouldn't Egg have visited Eamon? Is my assumption. and like just because Egg is dead now, I don't think that counts as in living memory. I mean, if people remember him, that's living memory. Also, Barristan has seen, like, 800 kings. He's a little king slut. Well, I was going to say, living memory, like, would that include Aemon, right? And Aemon would remember right. his brother visiting him. Are you- does this mean- Right. I was going to say, does this mean that Egg never visited Aemon? But at the same time, I guess Aemon could have visited his brother, but- But I- and I thought I that know. was actually, like, one of the novellas. I don't know. Am I just making it up or, like, I really thought maybe there was going to be something in one of the novellas about taking, like, the prisoners to the wall- I feel like I would have assumed, I would have assumed that Egg visited the wall at some point. But, I mean, I, this could just be like aim and erasure on Sam's part for a second. And I, I mean, again, George is not a perfect writer. He's made mistakes with eye colors, etc., things like that. So this might just be a slip. I don't know. That but. might also be like the further, uh, that's really the answer is probably it's just something he was gardening and didn't think about at the time and was like. You know, how would yeah. Sam know? How would Sam know? Well, I do want to talk about Gilly because I love her. I love that little Gilly flower yes. so fucking much. And can we just talk about how quick she is and clever and that like, you know, she has to be observant. She's always been observant living and surviving mm-hmm. in Craster's Keep like she did. But she also immediately understands and connects the Westerosi sigils and how the men are wearing them. And if it's on the banner and where it is on their actual outfit. Right, and she notices the relore sigil. Sam even didn't really know. He's like, "Uh huh, yeah, I don't know what that's all about." Now that you pointed out, no clue. Uh, I thought that was really interesting and clever. That Gilly has just such a keen, sharp eye already. Absolutely, I, as you said, right? She had to be quick, and I think it's important for her to be able to discern, like, okay, what teams, where do people stand? Like, she's she's had to know that, and I mean, in general, right? Like. She's been, like, big, brave, and also, I think, big enough as a person to feed both her child and Mance's child right now. And I know that's, like, probably common practice, you know, the mm-hmm. whole, like, wet nurse thing and Gilly acting as that for, for Mance's child. But I, it just seems quite, quite good of her. I mean, breastfeeding can hurt a lot. I've, uh, never experienced it. But I've heard that it can be a very painful experience. Yeah. And also, like, as they discuss later this 
chapter, you know, Gilly's feeding a child that, like, Mance and Crasser did not get along. So I think that there's something important there of this, like, kind of symbol of putting aside those differences for, like, the sake of the survival of the next generation, and also just, like, understanding that some things are more important than that. Um, and I think it's going to be part of the series going forward. I loved that, because... That, that's exactly how I, I felt there was some sort of metaphor there, right? Of like, you have to come together when the long night has come. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and there's even something of like, Mance's kind of fire and Craster was ice, right? Hmm. You know, in some yeah, aspects. Yeah. And uh, that idea of the two babies, the dichotomy of the two children at Gilly's breast. fuck well they're not gonna come together they're gonna be separated again but in a terrible way horrible (laughs) fucking horrible Uh, they don't even look like each other you guys are idiots I'm just kidding I mean I don't know I don't know I guess babies are just fucking babies I think I could have been fooled would it make more sense my kids I don't know I'm like Sam here I'm like I don't know baby uh so later, Sam learns what the fiery sigil is. It's for Queen's men, Pip tells him. Uh, but don't go asking after the Queen, because she was left at Eastwatch with his daughter and fleet. He brought the Red Queen instead, his sorceress, Melisandre of Ashai. She rode beside him in battle, too, and gave him his magic sword, Lightbringer, they call it. Wait till you see it. It glows like it had a piece of the sun in it. They this all ca- say that. Yeah, right? I'm like, it's a fake. Even Eamon knew it was fake. Yeah. Come on now. Everyone exa- exaggerates. No. Like, honey, let me tell you what a real Prada bag looks like, okay? Okay? Oh, I was talking about, anyways, dicks, but... Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Put it away, Eliana. Sheath that sword. Stop. Sheath that sword. <laughs> uh, all of this info came, of course, after they have a very hearty embrace. You love to see it. And, uh, of course, when Sam enters, they shout, Bar the door, lads. It's Sam the Slayer back from the grave. I'm crying. I'm shouting. I'm screaming. so sweet. Ah, They love him. Sam, you stupid idiot. They love you so much, you dumbass. These are the boys. The The fucking lads. The motherfucking lads. lads. They went on a lads trip. More than half the people died in the great ranging lads trip. You know, but it's straight up, you know, in um, in Hamilton, the scene when mm. John Lawrence and them are in the bar and they're rapping with I'm not throwing it's away like my shot. Well, yeah, it is. But I mean, they're all like being boys. They're drinking a beer in the bar. Oh, that's word. that's how I feel about the Night's Watch boys. They're all like drinking a beer in the bar. Ah! They would probably watch soccer, football. They would. Watch oh, football. absolutely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Football. Footy. 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 <laughs> So John had been super happy to see Sam, but very tired, like seems very different, very changed, right? A little sadder than usual, a little more mopey than usual. He had told Sam that Sam did very well in escaping and bringing Gilly. John did well too, they all had heard, but Sir Alistair Thorne and friends didn't seem to think so, and everyone was kind of calling John a turncloak. So that's not going great for John. And, you know, his his surface wounds are healing, but not the deep, deep scars within him for his dead brothers and his dead girlfriend that he loved. Big sad. Deep John sad. Gilly- <laughs> yeah, deep sad. John, Gilly, and Sam reflect with Val and Toe on the entire situation. 
Again, Craster had no love for Mance and vice versa, but Craster's daughter is now feeding Mance's, and Gilly says she's happy to give the milk because her son takes very little. Valen turns the conversation to politics and how, like, Melisandre plans to burn Mance once he has recovered. And John gives her a weary look, reminding her that, wait, no, Mance is a deserter, and the penalty for that is death, and he would have been hanged then if the Watch had captured him. And no one knows what the king plans. Val demands to see Mance and show Mance his son, and Sam explains that no one can see Mance but Maester Aemon. John apologizes, but says it's out of his control. They leave the women, for they have duties on the wall, and promise to ask about letting Mance see them, and Sam squeezes Gilly's hand, and off they go down the hall. And John comments that, So Sam, you're a little more than fond of Gilly, huh? And Sam turns pink in the face, calling Gilly good and kind. <laughs> oh. And Sam's happy to be back from his freezing nightmare, but some nights, alone in the cell, he thinks of how warm he and Gilly and the babe had been, and he tells John that, Gilly makes him braver. Not brave, but braver. I have to say, the scene in season 8 of The Bad Show, where oh it's Gilly, Sam, and the baby in the bed the night of the battle, or the night before the battle, oh man, that fucking wrecks my fucking ass every time. That, like, just that still of them just laying there, I'm just like, oh, it's a family. I love them so much. They are such a family. and They are a family. I'm so proud of Sam right here. He he said he's braver. Not brave, but braver, right? That actually implies, Sam, that you have an understanding that you have become brave. You have shown bravery. And, you know, it's funny because the brand chapter that Sam's in before this, uh, it, it feels actually like there's a lot of really great stuff crucial to that. Just seeing Sam in someone else's plot. When we see him in Arya's plot, it's kind of minimal obviously but that with Bran there's a lot of magic going on and there's the moment where he speaks to the door right and the door says who are you and the well whispers who 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 behind him and he says the whole mantra the night's watch mantra right he says i am the sword in the darkness the watcher on the walls i'm the fire that burns against the cold the light that brings the dawn the horn that wakes the sleepers i am the shield that guards the realms of men and it's almost like Sam is kind of able to say this with a little more confidence now, right, than, than he has, mm. because he is those vows. He's done those things. He is the sword in the darkness. He has been the watcher on the walls, the fire that burns against the cold. He did that out in the woods on the way back. That confidence is probably really what leads him to that next chapter and why he's able to pull off the falsifying of the election so well. <laughs> yeah, you just got to go in there, you know. Believe in yourself. Act like you own the place, Sam. But I, I absolutely, I think that's a great catch that when he says those words, now he can believe it. I mean, yeah. who else, like, who better to say that they have done all these things than Sam, the Slayer, but don't call him the Slayer, Charlie. And as you said, right, there's confidence. And I think there's, I think, in my opinion, it takes a bit of courage to be able to own the good things in yourself mm -hmm. in a way too yeah absolutely. especially when you've been told you can't the way sam has like you don't know fuck you he can yeah to take up to to be able to say i deserve to take up this space yes deserve to exist to live exactly exactly well john kind of says sam real talk you can't keep gilly 
right? Like, no more oh. than I could be with Egret. Like, I couldn't keep Egret. You can't keep Gilly. We swore the vows. We can't wed. And Sam hesitates, and he's like, John, is there, oh, is there honor in a lie, if told for a good purpose? Send the ravens. Um... <laughs> Please just... ask Littlefinger at around the same point of this book. <laughs> uh, is or, there honor? wait, or is it next? Yeah, uh, a lie can be okay. Told yeah, for good feast. purpose or whatever. Oh yeah, it's feast. Yeah, it's feast. It's with Sweet Robin, right? With Elaine, Elaine and Sweet Robin. Well, John says it yeah, kind of right. depends on the lie. <laughs> kind of depends on why you're asking this lie. I wouldn't really advise it. You're pretty bad at lying. And Sam's like, well, not in a letter. I'm not bad at lying. <laughs> Oh my god. Uh, he reveals his plan. What if he sent Gilly and her son to Horn Hill to stay with his mom and sisters? Maybe Randall would be secretly impressed that he fathered a bastard on a girl. He has this memory of his dad calling him a virgin forever. That Like he's gonna die a virgin. It comes out. That's fun. It's fun. That's how you become a wizard. You stay a virgin until like 30 and you become a wizard. I know that Gilly's like, been like, are you a wizard? And she's ruined it for him. Now he can't be a wizard. Oh. Um <laughs> Send her back beyond the wall. Chloe's like, where is Eliana going? Who knows? I don't know where I'm going. Uh... But (laughs) anyway, I will say in this area, you know, Sam says that he'd be better at lying with Quill. And I'm like, oh, very interesting that you are going somewhere that people expect to receive letters from, Sam. Where a lot of people expect to receive information and letters from after you have tampered with other information next chapter but also i mean exactly right like sam gets some pretty good on the job log experience in person in person yes next chapter very exciting and i will say also one last thing lying about babies not just a sam thing maybe also a john thing yeah maybe also maybe also uh a net thing mm-hmm. absolutely oh, oh. Uh... it's just like maybe that's just like what you know really good friends do Chloe, should you and I, like, lie about babies more? Eliana, I don't want to do anything about babies right now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you. I had to think I about agree. it for a second to give you my most honest take here, and I just don't, I, I don't elect to sign this up for that. Take. You could take the baby back now. I don't want it. I, I don't want I it. I would like to wave all baby uh, control all baby <laughs> oh god so uh sam asks john if you know he thinks like this child would like have a good life growing up on horn hill and john says growing up a bastard in his grandfather's castle and john comments that you know some men may show a bastard some honor you know like if he's good with a sword and maybe he can get a job in the household guard or as a squire or like knighthood even but Gilly would need to be utterly convincing, and from what Sam has told him, Randall doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's fond of being deceived. It's funny because, first of all, John's like, you ask me my opinion of what it would be like to grow up as a bastard in someone's castle, a nobleman's castle. Hmm, funny you should ask me that. And then it's also like, Sam, first of all, he didn't even like you. How's he gonna (laughs) like your bastard son? Second of all, I don't know, Sam, do you think you turned out great by growing up in that court? A couple oh, questions God. to throw out there. I don't know, I am kind of like, I-, I get it, like, you can't, he's just looking for anything for them, and he's trying to convince himself, you know, 
it'll be okay. Yeah. He's trying to just convince himself it's fine. It's a place. Seth's coming to up be. with solutions. You gotta throw out and brainstorm a few bad ideas before you get to good ones. Yeah. That's what I tell Chloe every week when she has to listen to me. <laughs> every week. You know, so this baby gets switched, right? So if he stood, sent the baby to Horn Hill after switching it out, you're technically telling me that Sam is coming home from war with a king's son that he's lying about and calling his bastard? Interesting. There's even this line right here between him and John where John says, uh, this depends in great part on your father and what sort of boy this is. If he takes after you, dot, dot, dot. Uh, and Sam goes, he won't. Craster's his real father. You saw him. He was hard as an old tree stump and Gilly's stronger than she looks. But I just imagine this is exactly the conversation Ned and Howland had at the Tower of Joy after digging all these cairns around and, you know, getting all the bodies buried. And then he, he's like, what if he fucking takes after you, dude? Dude, what if he takes out? Yeah, what if he yeah, takes after Rhaegar? Rhaegar? They're like, like, I don't know. The baby's eyes are this color, so... I fucking hope not. That had to be what they were doing, this exact conversation at Prince's yeah. Pass. I mean... Dude, I bet the moment John started showing, like, baby hairs, like... Ned just Ned, like, the I'm, old gods. Yeah, he was like, I've never been more relieved than in this moment. Or maybe John was born with hair. Some babies I hear are. Well, I mean, uh, that's why Oshara exists, though. You know? Yeah. She was the excuse for the Valyrian-ish looks. Yeah, just in case... That, that got pretty lucky. And, you know, as you were saying, right? Yeah, Sam asks John, how do you think this is going to turn out, John having that experience? And I, I appreciate that John, I think Sam knows this and recognizes this. That's why he's like, John, what do you think from your, again, experience? And John points out, it's not a guarantee of a good life. I mean, yeah, it's theoretically, like, opportunity, but, like... It really depends on Randall's mercy and the kid's personality. And I do think in a couple ways this shows growth on John's part, because, like, thanks to Donald Noy, R.I.P., he's dead now, John has learned that, you know, comparably, he did get a lot of things pretty good compared to, like, his common-born Night's Watch brothers, especially when it came to, like, training. But I think Sam has also shown to John another side of things, right? And he's like an important and I think pretty interesting argument that forces growth on John of being like, you know, also being trueborn and firstborn isn't a guarantee of happiness. If John thought like, you know, just being trueborn would have changed things. And he's like, well, no, I could have had a dad like Randall. <laughs> that would have sucked. And yeah, Sam has all these status symbols that John kind of coveted, right? Uh, but was denied growing up. Yet Sam was still, like, violently abused by Randall, and... Yeah, I honestly don't know how Randall would take to a bastard, because... I mean, he doesn't seem like the kind of person who likes it when people defy proper social convention, first of all. See how he reacts to Brienne. But then again, he also does break those social rules and conventions for Dickon, just because Dickon seems to be growing up as the kind of son that Randall wants. So truly, a coin toss. It could be a chance to fix it, right? Like a chance to, to do it again and fix yeah. it. Ugh. He could accept it if he's just like, wow, this kid's such a Chad, you know, and he's like <laughs> really into that. I don't know. I don't know how it would go. 
But on on a last note, Sam does say, you know, like, of course Gilly's child is going to be strong because Gilly's super brave and Craster is his quote-unquote real father. But I think, again, in the context of having this conversation with John, like, real father doesn't necessarily mean biological. Mm -hmm. And also in regards to that, like, in general, like, I don't know, like, Sam, shouldn't you be looking at yourself as evidence that just because someone contributed like DNA doesn't mean you're going to end up being the same as them. That's exactly <laughs> like, what I was thinking. Like literally case study. That that exact way of looking at it. I'm like, Sam, the evidence that just because parents are one way, you turned out completely different from how Randall wanted you to. So why would you put another baby into that machine, right? Do you think it's going to come yeah. out different? It's going to come out traumatized. Promise. That baby is going to be inbred and traumatized. God. Oh my god. Yeah. Thank God he's just gonna get yeah. burnt alive instead. Yeah. Until I mean, he could have been frosted dead. alive and turned into a beautiful undead, or not undead, a beautiful, like, fairy ice demon. It's mm. not the worst thing that could happen to you, I think. Yeah. They seem like they're having fun. They laugh, like, almost, like, every time we see them. They are laughing <gasps> at, like, Waymar Royce. They're having jokes. Their voice sounds like icicles. Good yeah, for them. How, how cute. How quaint. <laughs> so part of Stannis being here means that there are guards posted all around the place. And there are king's men posted outside of the tower. Earthy and pious and quite different from the devoted queen's men. John's planning to go train in the yard and Sam's like, is it wise for you to train with your legs still pretty fucked up? John literally has nothing else to do because nobody trusts him anymore, you know, and all that. Uh, so he's been removed from duty. Sam assures him no one believes that shit, man, but nope, John thinks everyone does. Sam says, you were brave, you captured Mance's son in the Horn of Winter, and John's like, I didn't do those things. I just protected <laughs> Val and the babe against looters, and then rangers found us. Stannis keeps his men mostly well enough in hand. He let them plunder some, but only three free folk women were raped, and the men who did it ended up gelded. John thinks maybe he should have killed a few of the free folk. Maybe then Alistair would quit yelling at him, right, and telling him that he was defending the free folk over the watch. Sam tries to comfort him, and he's like, Alistair might have been a contender for commander, but everyone knows that he's an actual prick, John. Yeah, that's what you get when every single person who's going to vote has to go through you, Alistair. <laughs> Uh, Alistair is just a great example, I think, of that other thing in Song of Ice and Fire. He's like ruling via fear versus the I will make them love me. And look at you now, not getting a promotion and definitely not getting ahead. Definitely not. Or hopefully, I mean, he does get one head, Jano slints. Uh, but there's also the Sam method of I will trick people. <laughs> Sam is the duck. Sam's going in there just I will cause problems on purpose and hope it works out to my yeah. benefit. It it did, just not to John's benefit, I guess. I don't know if it was actually to his benefit. Babies got switched. Anyway. That brings us to the next event happening at Castle Black, beyond the king arriving. The vote for Lord Commander. We've been talking about it. Again, Thorne has been proposed, but withdrew to support the new Watchmen. Lord Jandos Slit seems like a bad move. Uh, John broods that he is a bastard who killed Corrin and fucked a spearwife, <laughs> and Alistair is a noble knight from a noble line, but again, like, no one likes him. And, anyways. They also call John the Warg, but he's like, I can't even do that anymore! How could I be a warg without a wolf? 
I don't even know if like that's a line, but his dreams are full of the crypts with a Rob or Ned's voice, uh, as if at a feast, and... But there's a wall between us, and I know no place has been set for me. But Sam thinks, the living have no place at the feasts of the dead. And Sam thinks that internally, but I also feel like, yeah, normally this would be very promising, you know, <laughs> for that exact reason. Like, congrats, John. You don't have a place with the dead. You're not dying yet. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I think you're really misinterpreting these dreams. We need to get John to know a dream book so that when he wakes up in the mornings for those dreams. <laughs> right. or, uh, we should get him wake. I was going to say, we got to get Anna Delvey's boyfriend's app on here. <laughs> got to get that app. Uh, Which might have been actually Shadow, IRL. It was. <laughs> it, it was. What up, Hunter? I, uh, I felt this dream was a really, like, he actually kind of delves into some of his dream with Sam. And I think it was just such a great symbol of their relationship and how close they are. And also, uh, as you kind of mentioned, they have such a common ground of having this family that can't love you unconditionally, right? A family that has conditions about how they love you and when they love you. And having a wall built between you and your family. For John, it was Rob and Ned, right? He wasn't a true-born son of Ned uh, and never could be. And Rob, yeah, Rob was his best friend and his brother, but he was never a true-born brother. He was still always the bastard mm -hmm. brother. And for Sam, Sam was never allowed to love his brother, right? He was literally discouraged from loving, talking, giving affection to anything with his brother Dickon from a young age and uh, especially with Randall the dream specifically just makes me think of them that language the wall between them and both of them really have their legitimacy hidden right being called into question for their character like John is a bastard yet he's secretly son of a king Sam is noble but forcibly he's having his nobility and status stripped from him by his father there's also, this line that really sticks out to me from the brand chapter before this, with that disconnect with Ghost and John, uh, in this little passage that he speaks about. The wall is more than just ice and stone, he said. There are spells woven into it, old ones and strong. He cannot pass beyond the wall. I feel so bad that they're going through all these similar experiences, right? Like loving a free folk woman and battling ice zombies and like right down to the magic. And yet Sam and John aren't able to confide in one another fully, right? Especially because each of them feels like they are so alone right now. And instead they have to isolate themselves further and John has to kill the boy. There is a wall between them. <laughs> Boys, but actually, though, I, I, it's a metaphor, but yeah. I mean, it sucks because honestly, that is what being 16 feels like. That's what that age mm -hmm. like literally feels like. And I can't imagine doing it in the middle of an ice zombie apocalypse. Nope. It was bad enough, like in the before and times. And a war where, yeah, <laughs> your girlfriend dies. Yeah. So all of these things together make being an adolescent that much worse hallelujah sister <laughs> well we're talking about the black brothers of the night's watch sam somehow doesn't tell john but it shatters his heart not to that bran is alive and that bran is going north with friends to find a three-eyed crow on a giant elk normal shit but 
Sam also swore to keep the secret three times. That seems pretty important. Yeah. Once to Bran, once to Jojen, and he calls like <laughs> it's hilarious. He's like, once to strange boy Jojen Reed. I'm like, okay, wow. <laughs> Way to just call him strange, and then also to Cold Hands. And we have a line from Cold Hands of, "The world believes the boy is dead." His rescuer said as they parted. Let his bones lie undisturbed. We want no seekers coming after us. Swear it. Samuel of the Night's Watch, swear it for the life you owe me. And so for that, I just riffed that voice. Sorry if it's not up to par, but two things. First, John asking if Sam can even lie earlier. And again, Sam is already lying now, but kind of through omission. Our boy is just naturally talented. Second, in a way... Uh, as you said earlier, right, Sam paralleling Ned uh, in terms of lying and keeping secrets and, you know, Ned keeping the secret of John's birth and parentage. And I feel like here there's something with Sam swearing so many times that reminds me a little like promise me, Ned, though we don't know if that's what Ned promised. We, we don't know that yet. Maybe one day we will. But anyway, that's a great point. It is. It is totally a promise me moment. And he is already lying. That feels so important. Mm. I also love that this is where the theme of dead, lost, forgotten, gone Starks really is, right? Mm. Um, Davos is dealing with Edric right now, but eventually it will become Rickon in the next couple books. And, you know, his disappearance. The Jamie chapter before this introduces the fake Arya plot with Jane. Uh, the Arya chapter right before this, we get word of Sansa's escape. And Sansa's last chapter is her losing her identity, going into hiding. And now we're getting that other side of the Bran meeting, where Bran must remain dead. Now, I love, I love that. Also, the weird, the weird boy Jojen Reed comment, by the way, that that Sam's like, "Wow, this kid's fucking weird." But Mira's yeah. the one who stabbed you and threw a net over you. Like Jojen's probably pretty normal right now. Like he's a little <laughs> ominous, but Mira's the one that stabbed you. Yeah, I just like that. That's he can't forget or shake that. He's like, and the strange boys don't read. Like that's how it shook. That's Sam amazing. Uh, I do love that. Like maybe he's just used to sisters. Then you know. Also, is the other thing. Maybe he's just used to sisters. Maybe. You know, he's like, oh, Mira. Yeah, that's normal behavior from a girl. Maybe. I mean, he's just he's gone through a lot of strange things the past few days. So I just think it's pretty funny. Uh, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Said right now, Sam is telling John that Janos would never be chosen as commander, and John calls him a sweet fool and says that it's been happening for days. You know, that happened to me once in 2016. Anyway. <laughs> so, I, I understand John's point of view. John excuses himself to go angrily beat things with a sword, and Sam watches him go off to the armory and practice in the yard, where John spent most of his time lately, and Castle Black currently has no master at arms, so John has taken it upon himself to work with the newbies such as Satin, Horse, Hop Robin, Aaron, and Emric. And when they were busy, John the train alone. So Sam wonders, like, if he's right. Is John right? Is Janos really being set up for the job? And... You do need two-thirds of the vote to become the Lord Commander, but after nine days, no one's close to that. Janos is gaining, but he is creeping past Marsh and Othel Yorwick. 
but Dennis Malister and Cotter Pike are still in the lead, and Sam thinks, you know, one of them is probably more likely to win. But Sam then enters the Maester's quarters, where Stannis has posted guards outside as well, and they're crowded with the Black Brothers, Queensmen, Kingsmen alike, all wounded. He goes to help, along with Lydus, and Maester Aemon is still out talking to Mance Raider. As he hangs his cloak, John's words nag at him. Sam, you're a sweet fool. Open your eyes. It's been happening for days. John's brooding cynicism is very loud. He is definitely a changed boy since he went beyond the wall and met Egret, right? And they're both going through these ex- existential crises and neither of them are truly understanding the other's hardship. This okay. chapter is especially highlighting that relationship, like we said for me, but... You know, it's funny you said that in a way Sam reminds you of Ned, which I agree, but I actually kind of think that John and Sam's relationship is a lot like what Ned and Howland would have been, right? Uh, hmm. Full of secrecy, magic, yearning, heartache, so much like Ned and Howland. Sam and Howland both were bullied, right, pretty extensively at the start of their stories, and they aren't very athletically inclined. And then you have Ned and John, the sad, brooding wolves, warriors only by necessity, only when made to be. Yeah, that's interesting. I can definitely see that dynamic reflecting them. And I mean, it'd be interesting if you have those moments where John's like, I'm alive now just because of Sam, right? The way that Ned says it. But, but for Hal and Reed. Words. Yeah, but for Hal and Reed. And I... I feel like some of the things that maybe we're seeing in Sam that reflect Ned, maybe there's some things that he's kind of gotten, learned through John. Yeah. Who obviously learned from Ned. I mean, we, again, as we've said, Sam holds his best friend in such high esteem. <laughs> Which makes the next handfuls of chapters that much meaner. <laughs> yeah. An hour passes and <sighs> Sam goes to tend to the birds. He checks the tally he made the prior night of the vote. Thirty names have been put forward at the start of all this, and now only seven remain. Most of the men's votes are falling, except for Jano Slint, who is beginning to climb. The birds are squawking at him, so he puts his tally away and feeds them. Three more ravens had moved in, had flown in, crying, Snow! 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 But the ravenry seems pretty empty otherwise. Very few of the birds Aemon sent off had returned. One had reached Stannis, though, the king who still cared. Speaking of best friend shit, apparently Sam taught the birds to say snow. And I, I'm i just proud of him for that. And now I'm just like, if I get ravens, should I teach them to say Chloe? Oh you know, God. following that same spirit. <sighs> I know, like, he says he taught them, but part of me is like, that's Blood Raven. And I know... I, it could be. I know what you're saying, Eliana, and everyone at home. Chloe, you can't just point at birds and say, Blood Raven. But here I am, pointing at burbs, going, Blood Raven. I mean, I point at birds, and I'm like, that's that's Ned Stark, right? <laughs> exactly. See if you're allowed to do <laughs> that's it. That's our sure. dad. <laughs> but that is the thing, In because <laughs> the next episode, when the burbs fly into the, the kettles, you know, and they say, Jon Snow! I'm pretty sure... Oh, yeah. That's Blood Raven. <laughs> That's definitely a Blood Raven, but I like to think that Sam played this elaborate prank on his friend. It's like, I'm going to teach all the birds to say my friend's name. It is great. And I also like to think that Sam thinks he taught them, but it's actually Blood yeah. Raven. So, like, here he is thinking it's happening, and Blood Raven is like, ugh, 
that Tarly boy needs me to talk in the birds again. <laughs> uh, I mean, I feel like Blood Raven's down to do that though. He's like, absolutely based on nothing how we else saw to do. Him, exactly. He's got jokes based on the personality that we saw in Brand's feet in like a Brand's like dream. Mm-hmm. Blood Raven's into it. He's like, I'll do this. Hell yeah. He's bored as shit. <laughs> yeah. He's got nothing but time and he's running out of series to stream. I mean, he loves pranks. That's what I learned from the mystery night it's a prank bro <laughs> blood raven and the car pranks <laughs> that's, that's blood raven blood raven prank. loves pulling car pranks exactly uh you know down south sam knows that his dad has joined house tarly to the boy king on the throne because yes in case you missed it joffrey has died it is tommen now but the throne hasn't stirred to help them what good is a king who will not defend his realm he thought angrily, remembering the night on the fist of the first men and the terrible track to Craster's keep through darkness, fear, and falling snow. The queen's men make him a little uneasy, but at least they showed up, right? That is what Sam's about. At least they came. Mm-hmm. That night, Sam doesn't see John at dinner. He sits on a bench near his friends, Pip, telling Ed about the contest... They had made of shooting free folk arrows into the straw soldiers, and Pip says Watt of Long Lake had been leading. Um, but Ed jokes then that he never went to anything, and that the gods always smiled on Watt. It's the funniest exchange in the fucking world. <laughs> Everything Ed says is gold, so I had to include the entire yeah. quote here. It's pretty great. When the wildlings knocked him off the Bridge of Skulls, somehow he landed in the nice deep pool of water. How lucky was that? Missing all those rocks. Was it a long fall? Gren wanted to know. Did landing in the pool of water save his life? No. He was dead already, from that axe in his head. Still, it was pretty lucky, missing the rocks. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> oh, I love Ed so much. I mean... Um, he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. At least he didn't bash the rock. Still dead as fuck, though. <laughs> Hob had promised them roast mammoth after the battle, maybe in hope of getting more votes. And it turns out it's a pretty old mammoth. It's very gristly. Sam can't deal. He pushes his food away and prepares for the vote that's soon to come. Tension is thick in the hall, thick as the smoke. Cotterpike is in one corner. Dennis Malister is near the door, and Janos is over between the flames and drafts, and Sam specifically comments, like, Janos is in the best spot of the room. He can be seen by everybody, and Bowen Marsh is beside him. I like, <laughs> like that Sam's out here being like, ugh, this mammoth sucks. <laughs> but I also think it's just, I, I just like it. It's a warm scene, that exchange with Dolor's Ed. Not this part where everyone's like waiting all tense, but yeah. earlier kind of shows why Sam sees this place as home now, but now it's, like, all weird and awkward and shit. And Pip notices, too, telling them to watch Alistair, whispering with Yarwick and Bowen, with Janos, and after the meal, Eamon offers the brothers a chance to speak. Ed rises, glum, and pleads his case, saying that he would be a horrible commander, but so would everyone else who's in the running. 
<laughs> and Bowen Marsh withdraws his name due to his wounds and then recommends Janos with his great resume. It's actually a terrible resume. Um, Cotterpike and Dennis Malister mutter and shake their heads in the corners of the room. And Sam wonders where John is. Why is John stayed away? And the men drop a token into this like large iron kettle from the kitchens in a corner behind a drape for privacy. And you are allowed to vote for a friend if that friend was on duty. So some of the men take like two to five tokens with them, and when the hall is empty, Sam and Clytus upend the kettle and the count begins. Eamon is very good at doing this like with his hands, sorting the pennies, shells, acorn stones all to the side. It's like how my grandmother tells me that like she and her friends, like they're just so good at mahjong that like they know what the tile is even without turning it over just by running their thumbs over it. Um, but anyways, that's what Eamon's doing. Sam and Clytus keep count. Uh, Dennis Malister has 203, Cotterpike has 169, Janos Slint has 137, Othel Yorvik has 72, uh, Threefinger Hob unfortunately only has five, and there's only two for Ed. You don't like my new nickname for Threefinger Hob? I didn't get it. Um, it's a, it's a five-finger death punch joke. Three Finger Death Hob oh, okay. is my new favorite nickname for Hob. I'm going to use that one. Uh, okay, I'm just not sophisticated enough, you know. Yeah, I know. It's not your fault. It's just who you are as a person. <laughs> it's just who I am. Uh, there are, so there's technically three, 589 men across all of the watch left. That's what's hmm. left, right? And they're actually one vote short because John didn't vote, but... It didn't matter. No one was close to having two-thirds anyways, and Sam is super relieved. How do you feel about John's non-vote? Do you think he thinks he's just like... I think it's a few things. I don't I don't think we're getting a lot of his background in these chapters on how he feels about the vote, uh, but uh, it does make me wonder, like, does he feel unworthy of voting because he knows that everybody hates his guts and thinks he's a turncloak or doesn't want to start a scene by going there, or does he just not respect any of the men that are up for it? It's interesting because we just don't get his emotions on the vote until after the matter of the fact. So, like, that's true. The next chapter, in fact, is taken, like, any chance we would have gotten to see his emotions is taken away because it's Stannis offering Winterfell. He has bigger fish to fry. Yeah, it's a pretty big deal. Pretty big, uh, emotion, like, personal emotional thing. Yes. Yeah, that's true. We don't really see him think on it. And I think it's a mix of some of what you said of all of it. Like, he doesn't. He probably feels unworthy of a vote, doesn't want to be in the hall with everyone like being like super gossipy about him. Mm -hmm. And as you said, doesn't want to start a scene. I don't think he doesn't respect any of the men, but I think he respects... I think he respects Dennis Malister and Cotter Pike. Yeah. He has like a respect for Dolor's Ed, but he's obviously not going to vote for him because he's not like full of pranks and jokes like Pip. But I think, you know, he doesn't know if he would vote maybe then for Dennis or for Cotter. Mm -hmm. So that's part of it. He's obviously not going to vote for like, Jenna. So I think and I guess he doesn't care enough for Hobbs. So I think there's like a number of things at play. It's okay. No one does. Poor Hob. But, Poor Hob. I mean, you know who, who thinks that Hob would be a perfectly de decent leader? Stannis. Stannis does. Yeah, which says a lot about... <laughs> Anyway. <laughs> anyway, so Sam does wonder 
who does keep voting for Three Finger Death Hob, as, as you have written here. And Clytus jokes that it's probably the brothers who want him out of the kitchens. And also, again, I, I mean, maybe Stannis is campaigning for him. Oh Dennis and Cotter are down from the night before his vote, and Sam said it's not good. Eamon says maybe not for their ambitions, but in the end, perhaps it is good for the watch. And Eamon explains that, you know, this choosing might seem long, but there's been longer ones, such as the choosing that lasted two years, and that required like 700 times of voting. My Sam God. continues to worry about the outcome of the vote, though. That that made me gasp at that, just thinking about <laughs> it, because I'm like, America's bratty. We're brats. We wouldn't sit for that. <laughs> two years years oh my god this democratic process is very interesting it's funny because like they're doing statistics the long way out loud imagine what they could do if they had spreadsheets oh my god i'm just saying imagine sam building a pivot table for maester aemon the world would change the world would be amazing a little v lookup just just think about it just ah isn't the name of the voice also Microsoft Sam? Microsoft Sam reading it aloud to I don't Eamon. know. That, that might be it. That might be it. I hear it in my head. Sam yeah. is the paperclip. Oh my god. The word paperclip. No, that clippy... No, that, that paperclip is cursed. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but real talk. I think George might be... And maybe it's not a specific reference. I know he's obviously humorously poking fun at the electoral process right george famously who likes to to make meta commentary about politics and war but it makes me wonder if he's specifically referencing the election of 1824 because the election of 1824 lasted eight years and it, it was the end right of revolutionary stand-up war heroes james monroe was the last of them the two-party system has broken down the Federalists, which is like Hamilton and John Adams's party, was disgraced by opposition in the War of 1812, and in 1816 they only won three out of 19 states. It was their very last campaign. Very pathetic. And anyone who aspired to kind of fill Monroe's shoes belonged to the same party of him, which was the Republican Party, the first one that would soon name itself the Democrats. So there are all these candidates floating around since there's no Federalist Party now, and it kind of opened up the whole vacuum for everybody. And so many more states were involved. And some were nameless, some named, some insiders, some outsiders. And John Quincy Adams ends up winning. And he was elected as president without getting the majority of the electoral vote or the popular vote. He is the only president to have been elected that did not get the majority of the electoral or popular vote ever. I think that's that's interesting and could very well be John Quincy Snow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I mean I think what you've got here that's just in general like the the bones of it feels very much like inspiration for what's yeah like Jor on the way out. All of the revolutionary war heroes both. are leaving. Yeah, this is it's a whole new era for the Watch and yeah. I can tell you, John does not have the popular vote. No, he does not. He has said to himself, he's like, I'm very unpopular right now. <laughs> oh. You know who likes me? You. <laughs> that's it. That's it. That is. Well, no, that's not true. There's Pippin Grunt, but yeah. Yeah. Things are, yeah. Not going well for John. Really bad. Really bad. Yeah. 
they get worse. On one hand, you're like, what a great friend thing of Sam to do. On the other, you're like, damn, John's dead now. Huh. Well, he'll get to sit at that other side of the feast table, maybe. Anyway, while drinking in Pip's cell, Sam gives his own political commentary about Pike and Malliser losing votes. And yet, between the two of them, they still have, like, two-thirds of the entire vote. Like, so, someone, he's, he basically says, has to do something. And then, like, Pip and Gren are also like, what do you mean by someone? And they also, like, flirt a little, uh, you know, between themselves. And Gren points out that Pike and Malister fight about everything, but that's because they have different visions for the Night's Watch. And then Sam's someone, as he's, like, saying, you know, someone has to do something, it kind of becomes a we. And Pip's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's change that, like, plural back into a singular. And instead of someone, let's say, you. You, Sam. You can do something. <sighs> Poor Sam. Poor Sam. <laughs> he, talked, he talked everyone into this plan, though. He talked himself through it. <laughs> you now. You're a lord's son. And the maester's steward. And Sam the slayer. You slew another. It was the dragon glass that killed it, Sam told him for the hundredth time. A lord's son, maestered steward, and Sam the Slayer. You could talk to them. Might be. I could, said Sam, sounding gloomy as Dolores Ed, if I wasn't too craven to face them. There goes all that bravery we talked about. Oops, it's gone. Come, It's in waves. Take it in turn. Yeah. Well, I... It's a great setup for next chapter, but also, you know, none of the things that Pip has listed are actually what motivates Sam to take action next chapter, because as we've discussed, right, being a lord's son only brought him pain, and being a maester steward, I would say, kind of led to be, like, one of the most traumatic events of his life, north of the ball, <laughs> in that great ranging. And I'm gonna say, you know, same, in regards to slaying an other. Seems pretty traumatic, but Sam does find the courage because of who Sam is, and his faith in John. Like, again, he does it not as a, a lord son, a maester steward, or is the Slayer, he does it as just Sam. It's just Sam, a good friend and a brother. And I will say there's an emphasis on that entire, like, word of someone in this conversation here. You know, Sam being like, someone has to do something. And they're like, what do you mean by fucking someone? <laughs> right. And and next chapter, the someone, instead of being like, someone has to do something about the election. Sam uses the word someone to be like, you know, someone might be a better leader. For the Night's Watch. <laughs> oh, you know, someone could be better. And by someone, he means John. So I think it's interesting that someone in turn means Sam or John. But in general, I think it comes down to the message of someone. And and that someone could be anyone brave enough to do something. Just like the message of Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse. Oh, anyone can God. wear the mask. <laughs> I was also going to quote... Um, no man is an island by John Donovan, you know, and therefore never send to know for whom the bell tolls, it tolls for thee, but also anyone can wear the mask. And that's what I think someone is about. The word someone. Yeah, we're all just fucking pretending. I mean, all the time. In real life and in book life. So, 
Yeah. And Sam just is learning and do that. It. Sam's learning he can yeah. just pretend to be someone, and it's the same thing. No one will ever fucking know the difference. Literally, though. It's all bravado. <laughs> you go in there with enough confidence, yeah. Yeah. Charisma, baby. Yeah. Charisma. Come on, Sam. We we have a podcast, and, you know. <laughs> Anyone can do it. Oh, Elia. Anyone can, and that's part of the problem. Someone. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, we'll be back with this podcast. <laughs> uh, no one can stop us. You know, it's like the end no of one. the end of yeah. Veep. It's like that that last line of Veep. Yeah. No one can stop me from coming back for Only- walking for my podcast. <sighs> Only we can stop. Then we're never stopping. This is it forever. So if you want to keep coming back for Sam, for <laughs> Sam, Sam's a facet POV. We for got- someone. For someone, yeah. if maybe someone could come listen to us again. Maybe someone. someone is that you? Someone. Is that you? Oh. No. It's me, Margaret. Oh, my God. <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. We'll be back with Sam 5 with our friend James of the Hype Swatch notoriety in early March. Yes. And even though it's a day before the Ides of March, we are not going to kill him. That's not our recording well, anyway. But <laughs> that that I guess doesn't sound promising for guests, huh? That's probably, probably not a great segue. A segue. No, no, <laughs> don't no. do it, Eliana. Don't do it. Someone <laughs> for the watch. No, <laughs> yes, absolutely. We are going to have James on, and it's going to be a good time. But if you want to keep up when with when that comes out, because again, we are having our historic materials episode next week to close off the month be sure to subscribe to us on social media you can find us on twitter at girls gone canon c-a-n-o-n or you can shoot us an email if you have any thoughts or a dm at girls gone canon at gmail.com yes and if you hit the subscribe button over at a podcast streaming service near you you'll get our episodes straight to your feed so you never have to wander and look for them every friday morning they come out eliana time zone friday morning uh, you can find us over at Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever it's called, Audible, Amazon, Pandora. We're at all of them. We're there. Just look us up. And of course, you can always find our episodes in content on our Patreon. Patrons in the $5 tier and above, again, get bonus episodes every month. And this month, it is Circe, C-I-R-C-E, the book by Madeline Miller. <laughs> it's so good you gotta read it guys you gotta read it and hey uh check out if you're a thunder tier patron or above over at our patreon you can get involved on the discord where we host events weekly we have a his dark materials rewatch discussion going on and a monthly brunch slash happy hour so swing by come chat with us in one of our many many channels over there on the server where we talk about everything and anything under the sun as always I have been one of your hosts, Chloe. And I have been another one of your hosts, Eliana, a.k.a. someone. Someone. I don't want it. We? (laughs) That is how Sam feels right now. We. See you next. We. We. (laughs) Whoa. Snow. Goodbye.